Matthew chapter 7, and we'll be looking at verses 7 through 11. The text before us this morning is a remarkably simple passage. Uh, There's very little in it that needs explanation, but we're going to look at it this morning. It's a simple passage, and Jesus gives us a wonderful invitation in it. And if we will trust confidently in what our Savior tells us in this invitation, if we will faithfully take Him up on it, it will be enough to transform our whole outlook on life. Jesus, in His Sermon on the Mount, speaks of, uh, to His followers about His Father, and He gives us the most wonderful invitation we could ever be given. I believe it's so wonderful that it, just to make sure we get it into our hearts that Jesus says it twice. Notice he says in chapter 7, verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread will give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If then, being evil, know how to give, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the passage of Scripture before us this morning, and we thank you for each one who's come to hear the Word of God. I pray, Lord, you'll bless the preaching of thy Word. I pray, Lord, that you'll uh, give strength and power uh, to this preacher as I give forth the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful message that we have before us, and may you bless it to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there are certain passages in the Bible, and this one, it seems especially so, that puts to the test in terms of our view of God. A famous preacher once said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I would say that if you have a view of God other than the one that you should have, then your response to this invitation from the Lord Jesus will most certainly fall short. You know, for example, someone may see God as some far distant deity, someone who may be up there somewhere in great majesty and glory and honor, but who is unmoved by our cares and concerns here on earth. Someone who is maybe harsh or rigid, who's irritated when we ask things from Him. You know, sometimes people will talk about God and they'll use the word the man upstairs. Or maybe you'll, they'll say, well, you know who. They'll just say and point to the, uh, to the sky. Talking about God. Someone out there, distant, that really doesn't care about you. Many people think that way about him. And if that's your view of God, then the invitation Jesus asks uh, to ask of things of him will make no sense to you at all. You wouldn't bother Jesus to take, uh, 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 to take something to him and ask him. You won't take uh, Jesus up on uh, the uh, answer that he has for you. You will not see his father as interested in you at all. You will live a life as a practical atheist, if you please. Yes, a practical atheist, believing that even if there is a God in heaven, 
for all intents and purposes, you're basically on your own here in this life. The problems of your life are yours to deal with, yours alone. You believe that the resources that you possess on this earth are the only things that are gonna, you can really trust in. And if that's so, why ask anything of the Heavenly Father? Or someone might view God this way, as limited, a deity, a deity who is easygoing, very glad to hear from us when he can, uh, who may even care very sympathetically about your concerns, but who is not really able to do for us the things that we need. If that's your view of God, then this invitation from Jesus is only going to frustrate you this morning. You might ask things of Him, but say, why bother? You see God as well-intentioned, but not reliable, not sufficient to place your trust in Him. You're afraid that if you trust Him, you will soon become disappointed. Or if He gives you anything, it might be something you really don't want. You may try to ask Him uh, what you want from Him, but then you quickly turn away from Him when you don't get exactly what you've asked. You may perhaps try to have God in your life, but you really never trust Him for the things of life. And you'll always be frustrated, you'll always be disillusioned, and always just a little afraid. Now consider with this, uh, this text with me this morning. Our Lord's invitation demands that we possess a correct view of the Father, first of all. Do you notice how Jesus' words demand the right view of God? He calls God your Father, which is in heaven. To refer to Him as Father shows us that He is not some far away, distant, or harsh, or uninterested person or God, but He's genuine, and you can trust Him as a true Father. And that's what God is to those who are in Christ. He loves and tenderly cares for His children. He holds them near and dear to His heart. He protects them and He provides for them. He will not only intend what is good for them, but He'll never allow anything happen to them that will harm them. And to refer to Him as the Father which is in heaven shows us that He is not merely a well-intentioned God. It shows us that He is not weak or incapable of meeting our needs. No, far from it. It teaches us that He not only intends what is good and beneficial for us as our Father, but is powerful to bring about everything that He intends. It teaches us that we are infinitely loved in the most intimate way by the One who is all-powerful, all-wise, and everywhere present. One who holds such complete sovereignty over this universe and absolutely nothing can ever happen to His children except what He lovingly permits. And that absolutely everything He decrees is for their goodwill and will be completely brought to pass by His infinite power. Now let me ask you, is that your view of God this morning? If it isn't, I honestly don't see how the invitation in this morning's message could have any meaning to you at all. But if you have come to God in humble faith, as a broken sinner who seeks His grace, 
And if you have trusted in the sacrifice, His sacrifice for your sins and he, that He has provided for you on the cross of Calvary, then you have been adopted by Him through Christ and are now free to call Him Father. And if you know Him as Father and have a view of Him that Jesus' words demand, then you'll gladly take Jesus up on the invitation and you'll ask the Father for everything you need. Now, if that's your view of God, then you can ask of Him in faith. You will ask Him about everything. You will ask and you'll not give up. You can ask persistently and believing that God loves you and hears your concerns and cares very deeply about you. And if you will ask also confidently, knowing that He not only hears you and wants to meet your needs, but also knows how to meet those needs in the very best way that they could possibly be met. You will trust Him to give you only what is good for you and what's best for you, and to do it lovingly and wisely and powerfully and completely. And You tell me, would that make a difference in the way you live? Would that make a difference in the way you live? I believe it really would. It would make all the difference in the world. Now let's look a, a little closer at this invitation. And as we do, let me encourage you to make it your prayer to ask the Father to change what may be wrong in your view of Him today so that nothing stands in your way of taking Jesus up on this wonderful invitation. Notice, first of all, the first thing is the fundamental call of this invitation. It's a very simple word. It's the word ask. Ask. Sometimes people say all you have to do is ask. Well, that's what the Lord is saying this morning. Ask. Verse 7, He says, ask. Jesus, the Son of God, gives us a remarkable, authoritative invitation concerning His Father. He says, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. You see, the words of Jesus in the biblical language are given to us grammatically in the imperative tone. That means that it constitutes a command. Ask, seek, knock. It's a command He's giving to us. Ask, seek, and knock. And they're given to us in the present tense. That means they constitute a command that needs to be obeyed by us on a regular, ongoing practice of life. Always be asking, always be seeking, always knocking. And this is the invitation. But it's also a command to take a, make it a regular habit of life. Ask. And please also notice the promise that Jesus attaches to this command. When God commands something, He always gives a promise with that command. He promises results. And if you ask, it will be given you. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open. And the implication, of course, is that it isn't given to ones who don't ask. And it isn't found by the ones who don't seek. And it isn't open to the ones who don't knock. But it's specifically to those who ask, seek, and knock, who will receive, find, and have the door opened unto them. Now, it's always important to read the Bible uh, and the words of the Bible in their what? 
context. We've, said, we've hammered that for the last several weeks, and we're going to continue to hammer that because that's so, so very important. Read the words of the Bible in their context. But it would be hard to imagine a passage in which the context was more important than this one. You see, not everyone has the right to this invitation. But then Jesus isn't inviting everyone in the world to ask things of the Father. He's speaking only to a specific group of people. And if someone were to take this invitation out of its context and ask things of the Father when they didn't have any right to do any asking, they would be frustrated by it. If you go back to the very beginning of Jesus' sermon, you'll see what I mean. Turn back just a page to chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, and it tells us about the people to whom he was speaking to in this sermon. He says in chapter 5, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Who is the them? Well, it's not the multitudes. Rather, it is those who were his disciples, his devoted followers. He was speaking to those who believed on him, who obeyed his teaching, and have followed him as his disciples. Now, others could well have been listening to the words that he spoke, but he was intending these words to be spoken to his disciples only. You could put it this way. He was speaking to those people who are described by the Beatitudes in chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. That is, those who recognized they were poor in spirit, who needed God's grace, who mourn over the sin in their lives, who come to God meekly and humbly, hungering and thirsting for righteousness that is not their own, and having received that righteousness by God's grace through faith in Christ, they then demonstrate the grace of God in their lives by showing mercy, by living with purity of heart, by seeking to bring others to a state of peace with God through Christ, and by being willing to suffer persecution in Christ for righteousness' sake. You see, these and these only are the ones who have the right to approach the Father and ask Him of things. That is, those who have believed on Jesus and follow Him faithfully as His disciples. Now, that's very important this morning. And I don't think I can stress that point enough. Only God's children who have the right approach to him as the father can ask him things ask things of him and only those who have believed on jesus have the right to be called the children of god it tells us in john 1 verse 12 but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in His name, which are born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You see, others who do not believe on Jesus may try to ask things of the Father, but He has no obligation to give them anything because He is not their Father and they are not His children. Now that might seem harsh. It might seem a bit unfair. But remember, God never prohibits anyone from believing on Jesus and becoming His child. In fact, He has gladly made every provision possible for anyone who believes on Jesus to become His child. Even the worst sinner in the world will become God's child if he or she will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. In spite of what many people are fond of saying that there is only one way to become one of God's children and that's through Christ. 
Many people will say, oh, there's many ways. No, the Bible says there's only one way. But God welcomes everyone who comes to Him through Christ. And the way to become one of His children then is to open, it's open to everyone who will take it. He turns no one away who comes to Him through Jesus. Now let me ask you this morning. Have you placed your trust in Christ? Are you His child by faith in the cross of Jesus? Have you prayed something maybe like this? God in heaven, I am a sinner. I have rebelled against you and I have shaken my fist at you. I have tried to run my life in my own way on my own terms. I have sinned against you, but my eyes have been opened to see that your son, Jesus, died on the cross to pay for those sins. And I now place my trust in what he did on the Calvary's cross for me. And I accept the forgiveness for my sins that you purchased for me there. I no longer resist you. I come to you willingly through Jesus Christ. Take my life and make it what you want to be. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ in that way, and if you will not do so now, then please understand this invitation to ask of things of the Father is not for you. The only request that God is going to hear this morning from you who have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and put your faith and trust in Him, the only request that you can pray and that He will hear is the request for salvation through Jesus Christ. And you can become His child. And you can have the opportunity then to ask of the Father. And I sincerely hope that one day if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, that you will trust Christ. You will become God's child. But until you do, this invitation is not for you. It only belongs to those who are God's children by faith. But if you have trusted Jesus, or you're willing to do even so right now, demonstrating that trust by going on with Him and following Him in obedience to those, His commands, then this wonderful invitation belongs to you. You are a child of the Father through Christ. You are invited to ask your Father for whatever you need. And the promise of the Bible is this. You find in 1 John chapter 3, 22 and 23, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is the, His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. Now, if you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ and you are a child of God by faith, let me share with you the next thing that Jesus commands in this invitation. First of all, we need to ask. Secondly, we need to ask persistently. We need to ask persistently. Look at it in verse 8. Jesus affirms the invitation He just gave in verse 7. In verse 7, He was stressing the command. Ask, seek, knock. Now in verse 8, He stresses the results. He says, for everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. And I understand that in the Greek our Lord uses three present tense participles to describe that kind of person, literally calling such a person the always asking one, or the always seeking one, or the always knocking one. 
And when he stresses the results of these actions, he again uses the present tense of the verb to describe an ongoing, habitual product of those actions. The sense of Jesus' words would be translated this way. For every person who is always asking keeps on receiving. And every person who is always a seeking one keeps on finding. And every person who is the always knocking one keeps on finding the door opened unto them. And taking together, this is a picture of persistence. Even in the manner that Jesus describes suggests persistence. Do you notice that he doesn't simply say that the person who gets results is the one who asks? No, rather he, see, he seems to describe a wholehearted kind of progressive asking that comes very close to being impertinent. They not only ask, but if they don't get an ask, answer, they seek. And if they, don't, if they ask and seek uh, and they don't get results, then they begin to knock. They don't give up. This reminds me of how little children ask something from mom and dad sometimes. They just seem to never give up. They keep asking. Mommy, Daddy, can I have this? Can I do this? Can I? And it just seems like it goes on and on until you're tired of it. Well, we have a father who never gets tired of you asking. The children might ask mother or father. and They might be met with a closed door. And they may knock so they can hear again, but if you're a parent, you already know about these things. Children can be persistent, can't they? And Jesus is not only inviting us to ask the Father as His beloved children, but He's urging us to be like children and to be persistent in our pursuit of what we ask. Now, I love how our wonderful Savior gives us stories to illustrate His teaching. And He does so right here. What Jesus is teaching us in this passage is given is something that he taught his disciples on another occasion, and that occasion he told the story. If you go over to Luke chapter 11, you find there in Luke, the 11th chapter, verses 5 through 8. In Luke 11, verse 5, we read there, And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, and for a friend of mine in this journey to come to me, and I have nothing set before, to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee, give uh, thee. And I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him, because he is a friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give you as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. You see, he comes right out and says, The point of this story was to illustrate persistence. And look at what Jesus then goes on to say. Perhaps by now it will sound familiar to you. Verse 9, it says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Ask, seek, knock. Keep at it. Be persistent. Don't give up until you receive the answer. 
It's not that God is unwilling to answer us when we ask. The problem is that we're not, to demonst- we're not willing to demonstrate true faith in Him by being persistent in our asking. Jesus taught us the same principle of persistence in another parable. Luke writes about Jesus teaching His disciples on another occasion in chapter 18 and beginning in verse 1. In Luke 18, beginning in verse 1, he says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but after a while he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest her... By her continual coming, she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Now listen, I suggest to you that this is one of the main reasons why so many people become discouraged and defeated in the Christian life. They believe it's supposed to be all easy. And they don't realize that everything worth working toward in the Christian life requires persistence in prayer. They struggle against a particular temptation and sin, for example, and they stumble and they fall, and each time they pray to conquer it, and yet it seems like it just sneaks up and hits them again. Pretty soon they pray uh, uh, to conquer it, and yet it seems to just again defeat them. And they give up, and they consider uh, themselves defeated by the sinful habit. They say, God didn't answer my prayer. God didn't help me. They resign themselves to it and they assume that prayer didn't work. And the whole time along, God was looking for them to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Or they seek to do something that they believe God has called them to do. And all the indications seem that God was willing for them to engage in some work or embark on some mission, and yet they keep hitting roadblocks along the way, and they pray for God's leading and provision, and yet it seems as if the leading and the provision never comes. And the only thing that seems to show up are the roadblocks. After a while, they give up. They conclude, well, I prayed and God didn't answer my prayers. And when the whole time... uh, time long, God was urging them to keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. Or sometimes people simply seek to have a deeper fellowship with God through Christ, and they want their faith in Him to be real. They want to really know Him and experience Him and His power in their lives, and yet they run into times when He seems so far away. And they pray. He doesn't seem to respond. It's as if He has hidden His face from them for a time and pretty soon they give up and they settle for a mediocre kind of experience when all along God is willing to give them what they long for if they will just keep asking, if they will keep seeking, if they will keep knocking. You name it. People pray for doors to be opened, for loved ones to believe, for illnesses to be healed, for hindrances to be removed, for resources to be provided. They pray for these things and even pray much for them. And yet when they don't see the answer, 
they are far they far too easily give up and they conclude that prayer must not work. And I must confess, I've done it too. And yet, it's not that prayer doesn't work or that God doesn't hear His children. He doesn't, it's not that He doesn't hear our cries or that He doesn't care. It's that we forget that one of the most important elements of prayer, as the Bible itself teaches us over and over and over again, is persistence. Have you been defeated? Have you been discouraged? Because you didn't see an answer to your prayer or as soon as you would have liked to have seen it? Now, if you're a child of God by faith in Christ, it's not that God does not hear your prayers. It's not that He's not seeking to develop your faith in Him by calling you to be persistent. If you have given up along the way and surrendered to defeat, listen, then get back up and begin again, and this time join with others of your brothers and sisters in Christ in prayer about what concerns you, because Jesus says in the plural here in verse 7, He's talking, and if I could give it just a little southern flavor, ask and it will be given to you all. Seek and you all will find. Knock and it will be open to you all. We need to pray together. We need to encourage one another in persistence. That's why it's so important to come together for prayer. Oh, it's great to come together and sing. It's great to come and hear the preaching of the Word. We love to hear the preaching of the Word, but we need to pray. We need to pray. Jesus spurs us on to persistent prayer with a promise. Read, notice here in verse 8 again. Everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. So let's keep on asking, let's keep seeking, let's keep knocking, knowing that those who do so will receive, will find, and will have the door open to them. We have Jesus' word on it. If you can't take Jesus' word on it, then nobody's word is good. Because His word is good. Now that leads us to one final thing. Ask persistently with confidence. Ask persistently with confidence. We can ask knowing that our Heavenly Father loves us and will never give us something that's not good for us. All of His answers to our prayers are only good every time. Now Jesus uses a couple of uh, slice-of-life examples here that we can relate to perhaps. He says in verse 9, notice, Or what man is there of whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Now, in Bible times, bread was often made in these little buns, so to speak, that kind of looked like stones. Can you imagine a hungry little child asking his daddy for some bread, and so the dad just mockingly gives him a stone off the ground, a rock? There may be some scoundrels who would be that insensitive or that foolish and cruel, but if there be such men, they're an exception to the rule because most fathers won't do that. Even the most hardened, wicked man will still give his hungry child a piece of bread when the child asks. 
Jesus gives another example of a child's request here. He says in verse 10, Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? I think scholars have suggested that the kind of fish involved was kind of a long snake-like appearance. Could you imagine even a hardened, sinful father hearing his hungry child ask for a fish for food and only to mock the child's need by giving him a dangerous, poisonous snake instead? I read of one father who flew home from a business trip from Arizona. Before he left uh, Arizona, he stopped in the gift shop and bought some presents for his sons. And he found the perfect gift for one of his boys. The son had very little uh, uh, at that time, but he was fascinated with scorpions for some reason. And so the father found a paperweight that he knew that his son would really like. It had a, a scorpion encased in a big piece of, it was encased in the plastic and had the words Arizona imprinted upon it. And when he brought it home in a paper sack, he said to his son, I have something for you I found in Arizona. Would you like it? And of course, the little boy's eyes would get real big and he nodded and he looked into the sack and then his dad said, do you remember you always told me you wanted a scorpion? Whoa! How do you think the boy was going to look into that sack? Dad said, don't worry. It's not going to hurt you. You see, Daddy would never give you something that would hurt you. And then he slowly opens the, the bag and the scorpion in it and he gets closer to it and his eyes, the boy's eyes get big again and he loves it. In his imagination, he always wanted a real scorpion, but in the end, the gift from his father was much, much better. Now, I've not always been a perfect father. I have and I do struggle with sin. I make sometimes very fallible decisions. I make wrong choices. But compared to my heavenly father, I am a very evil father indeed. You see, God sits on the throne of heaven, and He's very good. And I walk upon a sinful world as a very sinful fallen man. And yet, not even I would give a stone to a hungry child of mine who wanted and needed bread. And not even I would give a deadly serpent to a hungry child who wanted or needed something to eat. I surely wouldn't drop a live scorpion into the hand of a little boy who wanted one. Now, I'm a sinner, but even I know better than that. And so Jesus argues from the lesser, that is me, to the greater, my heavenly Father. And He encourages me then, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? Oh, how I can trust Him. Now, it's interesting that Jesus doesn't say, and be careful here, He doesn't say, for everyone who asks receives exactly what they ask for. And he who seeks finds exactly what they were looking for. And he who knocks, shall be, it shall be opened to reveal to them exactly what He knocked for. He doesn't say that. We are, we are promised that we will receive, we are promised that we will find, and we will have a door open to us, but there's no promise to us that we will get exactly what we asked for. And I'm thankful for that. 
I don't know about you this morning, but I am very thankful for that. What a horrible fix we'd be in if we were as foolish creatures as we are, got everything we asked for. And let me ask you this morning, how many of your prayers has God answered this week? How many prayers has God answered for you this week? Could you answer with me all of them? You say, all of your prayers have been answered? Oh, don't worry, a lot of times the answer was no. But they were all answered. And God will answer every one of your prayers too. It may not be what you want Him to answer it with, but it'll be that which you need. You know something? I'm very grateful the answer to many of my prayers has often been no. And I trust I'm growing still in maturity in the Christian life And very often I've asked my Heavenly Father for some rather foolish things. Things in my limited understanding I didn't realize were not the least bit good for me. And I'm thankful that my Father loves me enough not to give me some of these things that I asked for when they would have hurt me. Or maybe they have hurt someone else. Jesus doesn't say that the Father is inclined to give us whatever gifts we ask for. Rather, He says that the Father gives good things to those who ask Him. Even when we ask Him for foolish and harmful things, He gives us good things. Even if we were to ask Him for a hard stone, He'd probably give us bread because that's what we needed. Or if we asked for a deadly serpent, He'd give us a fish because that's much better for us. And this underlines for us a wonderful principle of prayer here this morning. And I believe that this principle explains why it is that sometimes uh, we, we sometimes feel as if God is not answering our prayers. We find it over in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, and where it says, and this is the confidence, there's the word, this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, he heareth us, and if we and we if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. The Apostle John doesn't tell us that our confidence is that we ask anything, the Father hears us and He gives us what we ask. We shouldn't have confidence that He's going to give us anything and everything we ask for, because He won't. God loves us too much to do us to do that for us. And really, only a bad parent will give their child whatever they ask. And we have a lot of bad parents around in our society today because they're giving everything that that child asks for, and it may not be good for them. God loves us too much. God is a good father. So instead, our confidence before our good Father is this. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us and gives us what we ask. And this is the principle that I believe is reflected in Jesus' words here. The Father knows how to give good gifts to His children when they ask. He wants them to ask. In fact, He wants them to ask with persistence. And they will need persistence in asking because sometimes they ask for things that are not according to His will. And that's the key. We need to ask according to His will. The persistence makes us examine our request. 
You pray and you pray and you pray and you say, God's not answering. Am I asking for the right thing here? You see how it, it, that persistence begins to uh, work in our lives and help us search out what would be His will concerning this matter. The persistence in asking refines our requests and conforms us to the good will, His good will to answer. And the need for persistence is really a gift of God's grace, isn't it? It explains why sometimes it seems as if He's not answering our prayers. He really is answering them and He's saying this. He's saying, no, my child, what you've asked for is wrong. Sometimes you do not have have because you do not ask. But you know, some other times you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures, according to James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. And God says, I love you too much to give those things to you. You're not asking according to my will. Be persistent. Learn my will. And keep asking until you ask according to my good will to give and then I will gladly answer. I wonder this morning, how do you view God? Do you view God in this way in which Jesus asked us to view Him this morning? That is, as a heavenly Father who loves us and who will shower His good gifts upon His children, then I think you could be excited about the invitation from the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. I hope you make it a regular habit in your life to take Him up on this invitation. If you do not know Jesus Christ, if you have the wrong view of God this morning, then I trust that you'll come to Christ and receive Him and become one of His children so that you can ask and you can seek and you can knock and you can have your prayers answered. Let's pray.